All right, Job chapter uh, 15, and remember, we have the background information of Job and what was going on. Remember, Satan challenged uh, Job's faithfulness and love for the Lord. He said, oh, you're, you're just, he's just doing it for what he gets out from you. You bless him. You take care of him. You give him this. He has this. You know, it, it's, it's because he is getting something out of it. That's why, uh, you know, he is living faithful and righteous. And uh, uh, as the Lord had said, Job was. And then, you know, the Lord allowed Satan to, 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 you know, take away, uh, well, he allowed him to prove his theory wrong, if you would, if I could put it in those terms. Uh, and, uh, you know, he took away his, uh, all his possessions, all his businesses, his money, and then also his 10 children uh, died. And then, of course, Job still, uh, you know, was the Lord gives, the Lord takes, takes away, bless it and be the name of the Lord. And then, of course, Satan goes back to the Lord and says, well, it's the reason that he's still hanging tough there with you and being faithful is because, you know, you're not really hurting him personally. You've heard everything around him, but not him personally. And of course, the Lord allows him uh, to do this and he's inflicted with, um, you know, great pain. And even his wife just says, you know, why hang on, just curse God and die. And so um, we know that's the background. Of course, we know the Lord's in control of all this, but Job in the midst of it, you know, is is having a hard time. His, um, his three friends uh, come from afar and see him. They couldn't even recognize him. Is that Job? I mean, that's how bad off he was. Yeah, that's Job. And it was so bad that they just sat with him for seven days and didn't say anything. And then finally, on the eighth day, the eighth day Job starts to speak, and he's just complaining and you know, just having a hard time with it all, just kind of processing those raw emotions and and the three friends just have this, uh, for some reason, want to just, you know, uh, correct him and instruct him and explain to him why those things have happened. And we went through the first round of the three guys speaking, and then Job would reply, and then another guy would speak, and he, Job would reply, and then the third guy. And now we're on the second round, and we're back to the first uh, guy that spoke, uh, Eliphaz. And so verse 1 of chapter 15, the book of Job says, Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, Should a wise man answer with empty knowledge and fill himself with the east wind? Should he reason with unprofitable talk or by speeches with which he can do no good? Yes, you cast off fear and restrain prayer before God. Now, I want to put it up there in the New Living Translation because I think it, it helps get us maybe a clearer sense of it. And so I'll put it up there and you can read along. And it, it says this, Then Eliphaz the Temanite replied, A wise man shouldn't answer with such empty talk. You are nothing but a windbag. The wise don't engage in empty chatter. What good are such words? Have you no fear of God, no reverence for Him? And, um, you know, one of the things I'll say just completely off subject is, you know, when you come across a, a, a Bible passage that's difficult to understand when you're reading through scriptures and, uh, you know, and you just don't quite get it, it doesn't make sense, you know, certainly um, I think one of the great things to do is to read it in another translation, or in this case, a, a paraphrase edition, where they kind of just try to give you uh, the sense of what it's saying 
and not so much a literal translation of what the original language said. And sometimes that just helps to clarify things, you know, pretty easily, and it usually clarifies a lot pretty quickly. Um, and so, again, just as it does here, when you read the first four verses in the New King James, it, it seems a little bit difficult to chew on at first, but again, when you need the, the, the um, New Living Translation, it, it, it kind of helps to clarify something. And, and basically, you know, uh, Eliaphaz here is, you know, doubling down. They went through the first rounds and it didn't convince Job that he was wrong, that he was sinful, you need to repent. Uh, good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. That was their, you know, their spiel, uh, you know, and so you must be bad because bad things are happening to you and you're getting what you deserve. And since that didn't have any change on Job, uh, so they're, they're turning up the heat, you know, and... Um, you know, Job, you've not changed. It's just, you're like full of hot air. You know, you're a, hot, you're a windbag. You know, just saying that to a guy in Job's position again, how, how terrible is that? Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, this is all happening to you again because of uh, what you do and how you live. Though this wasn't true of Job, and we know that, Yes, he was hurting and confused, but he's not going to accuse God wrongly, as we'll see. And again, one of these things that we should always ask ourselves, you know, how about us? What do we do when things fall apart? Do we leave the truth uh, of our Heavenly Father? Um, do we leave the Bible for some wisdom of doctors or lawyers or friends or family or this or that, or do we stick, you know, with the truths we know about our God and our Heavenly Father given to us through His Word and through His Holy Spirit? It's always important that, you know, um, and I think one of the reasons the Lord allows different things to happen in our lives at times is so that we might know that, because what's really important tends to, to, to come to the top. It raises us to the top during those difficult times. What are you going to do when this is happening? Are you going to, you know, just turn to everybody else's advice and do this and work on your own or this or that? Or are you going to trust in the Lord? And those times tend to reveal what's really going on in our hearts. And you know of yourself and how you've responded. And of course, most of us know other people and how they've responded. Some, you know, their faith has been strengthened and others, uh, they just kind to melt away and they don't seem to come back to church again. Um, and again, here, uh, you know, Job is confused, he's hurting, yes, but he's not abandoning God nor leaving him for other wisdom, whether it's these guys or anything else, nor should we. Well, verse 5 says, For your iniquity teaches your mouth, and you choose the tongue of the crafty. Your own mouth condemns you, and... Not I, yes, your own lips testify against you. Are you the first man who was born? Or were you made before the hills? Have you heard the counsel of God? Do you limit wisdom to yourself? What do you know that we do not know? And what do you understand that is not in us? Both the gray-haired and the aged are among us, much older than your father." So again, um, you know, here's, Joe, here's uh, Eliaphaz, you know, and, and he's 
these guys are speaking general truths. You know, you're the one saying you're, you're, not, you're doing right, and you haven't done any secret sin that deserves this. And Job never claimed to be sinless by any stretch. He knew he was sinful, but, you know, nothing compared to what these guys uh, were accusing him of. And these guys were, again, speaking general truths. You know, um, and, and that's the problem. Because they misapplied general truths. And we know that, you know, Corinthians tells us that um, you reap what you sow. Uh, we know that that is a, a great truth in life. And, you know, you sow, to, you know, to the wind, you get the whirlwind, as we're told also in Scripture. You, you, you know, you, you hang around uh, bad company and it's going to corrupt, uh, you know, people of good morals. Uh, we, we know all those things. And so when we pursue those things and we see kind of everything collapse, one of our thoughts can be certainly be, well, you know, what, what did they do? How did they act? How have they lived? That brings all this upon them. And, and those are some general truths, but they misapplied them. You know, Job, you're a terrible sinner. That's the problem. And you think you know it all. <laughs> That's what he's saying. And, and by what you're saying, you're, you're, condemning yourself. I don't have to say anything. What you're saying is that you're righteous and you're doing what's right and it's not really because you've sinned and therefore you're condemning yourself. You know, you're, you're, you're proving my point through what you're saying here. And, and again, um, Eliaphaz goes on to say, you know, what we're saying is known by everybody. That's the idea. You know, hey, wisdom is not limited to you, Job. Uh, we know as much as you do. We understand all, uh, all that's going on. And we have the wisdom of older people and of the ages in our argument. And, and again, um, you know, he's basing his thoughts on his experience. He's basing what he's telling to Job what to do based on uh, his experience and what he's heard and what he... Is if you would grew up on, and that's a very dangerous place to be. Um, you know, uh, if we do this, then we, you know, if we give in to that, then we have to validate everybody's experience as truth. Somebody say, "Well, I I saw God in a tree," and and you say, "Well, that's kind of ridiculous," but I experienced that. I it really it it moved or it kind of spoke to me or whatever. And then you know, if we're basing life on experience, then we have to accept every experience, right? And that's the problem is that, you know, he, this is the way I learned it. This is the way I've seen it. This is how everybody, you know, that's godly and has wisdom. We're not talking about far off things, you know, with these guys, you know, I've always said, and it's a problem we have to be careful of just because we've always known things to, to be this way or because the church that we have gone to over the years or raised in or that we continue to go to, you know, teaches this or says this or does this, that doesn't mean it's from God and that doesn't mean it's scriptural and that doesn't mean it's accurate in every situation. There's probably much truth to a lot of it, but that doesn't mean it applies to everyone in, every, in the same circumstances and you can't just put God in a box. We need to see what his word says. And we can't just validate something because we've experienced it 
and he's seen that dozens of times or hundreds of times, Eliaphaz would say. I've seen it over and over again, but that doesn't mean it applies with Job. And that doesn't verify his experience that it's truth or it is what God's doing. But that's what these three guys think, and it's getting them into a lot of trouble, and will get them into a lot of trouble with the Lord. He'll correct them on all that. Well, verse 11 says, Are the consolations of God too small for you? And the word uh, spoken gently with you? Why does your heart carry you away? And what do your eyes wink at? That you turn your spirit against God and let such words go out of your mouth. What is man that he could be pure? And who is born of a woman that he could be righteous? If God puts no trust in his saints and the heavens are not pure in his sight, how much less man who is abominable and filthy, who drinks iniquity like water. You know, uh, and again, um, here is his conclusion. How can you claim to be righteous? Nobody is. How could you say that? How could you hold on to this? I didn't do anything wrong. I, I haven't done some secret sin. I don't live in, you know, the secret world of, of doing wrong against God, you know, that's coming out right now. Uh, and again, this is very true, though. There's truth to it. We, we know that, um, that we're all sinners. Job didn't argue that fact, right? Man is not pure. That's not what Job is saying. What Job has been saying is, listen, you guys are accusing me of some secret sin or living uh, a sinful life uh, unbeknownst to them, and that's why all this has happened. And, and Job is saying, that's not true. It's just not true. I, I, I have done right. What you know about me is true through and through. And what, I, I, I am righteous when it comes to that. I, I am, didn't do anything wrong when it comes to that. But here again, you know, he takes this broad stroke that everybody's a sinner and nobody can stand before God righteous, which is absolutely true. And, you know, but what is amazing that though we are sinners, God loves us. Isn't that the great news? You know, uh, uh, we have to remember that. He knows we're sinful. He knows we're frail. And yes, that, you know, we are um, stumble and fall and trip over sin more often than we care to admit. And, and the Father knows that. And all Job, ha Job has to do, I'm sorry, is to repent and turn to God. You know, how can you hold on to your righteousness? That's what he'd say. There's nothing righteous about you to hold on to. And yet, you know, that's certainly not what Job was saying through all this. But there is some truth there. And we do need to remember that, our, you know, we are... Uh, sinful in the eyes of the Lord because we are born into sin and we do continue to commit sin, but he sent Jesus to pay for those sins. And hallelujah, we can just rejoice in that, right? We can rejoice in God's goodness and God's love. And even though that's what we are uh, to a righteous and holy God, yet his love you know, obviously extends so much greater than that of judgment, but of love by sending Jesus to die for those sins, that we might have his righteousness. The great thing of salvation and the great gift of God.
Well, chapter 16 now, and, and now Job is going to answer those ac- accusations again. And as usual, Job will answer accusation, and then he kind of lifts up, you know, uh, and speaks to the Lord, uh, you know, kind of on and off. And he's answering them, and then he's kind of ca- calling out to the Lord and speaking to the Lord and to them. And so uh, just kind of what he's been doing uh, really this whole time. He'll continue with that as well here. And verse 1 of chapter 16 says, Then Job answered and said, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. Shall words of wind have an end? Or what provokes you that you answer? And, and, and Job answers kind of harshly back to them and says, You know what? I've heard all this before. Uh, you know, think about what you're saying. Think about all the pain you're causing by what you're saying here. You guys are miserable comforters. You're supposed to be here to comfort me, and all you're doing is accusing me and trying to fix the problem that's not the problem that you think. And, and you just keep going on and on and on. You know, and you're demanding from me to acknowledge that you're right and do it your way when I know it's not right. And again, I think it's a good lesson for us too. We, we can be cruel to others and cause such pain to others because of our ego or our pride or our big mouths or, you know, we have opinions. And so, you know, we demand to be heard. And we think we got it all figured out sometimes. Oh, they did this and they did that. And man, that's just, that's just messed up. And, you know, we can ha- have those thoughts. We can come to some great conclusions about people just on very little information. And we just need to be careful of that because that's what these three guys are doing to Job and what God warns us about later on in the book not to do. And then when we just feel like our opinion needs to, whenever you feel like, you know, well, I need to share my opinion. I these opinions going around and this is sad or this is sad and I need to correct them and get it right. You know, I would just caution you to, and I would just encourage you to, just to take a step back and take a breath and ask the Lord, do, you, do, do they need to hear what I have to say or what I think I should say? Or, you know, I have a good answer for that. I, I think I know, you know, uh, what should be said here and what maybe is being said is wrong. And, you know, do I need to correct it? Do I need to interject my opinion? Do I really need to come to a conclusion in my mind of what's going on with this problem? And I imagine most of the time the answer is going to be, if we take the time to ask, no. I, I, I'm the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, the Holy Spirit is there. Do you think you can communicate and do it better than the Holy Spirit? Uh, no. And, you know, therefore, I think it's always good. Because we can cause so much pain and hurt others. So we do need to be careful. And certainly that's what they're doing here. They're thinking they're defending God and making it right and, and coming up a solution for Job. When in reality, Job says, you're just killing me. You're crushing me. It's just making it worse. I'm already as low as low can be, and you're digging the pit deeper. you think that would cause them to back off a little bit, but sadly it doesn't. Well, he goes on here in verse 4, I would also speak as you do. If your soul were in my soul's place, I could heap up words against you and shake my head at you, but I would strengthen you with my mouth 
and the comfort of my lips would relieve your grief. Though I speak, my grief is not relieved, and if I remain silent, how am I eased? And Job says, listen, if I were in your shoes, I would bring comfort and strength by what I said. I would want to be a help, not this hindrance. And um, you guys don't seem to get it. You know, you think I started this all out and I was just pouring out my raw emotions. Um, and I was. But the problem is, he said, you don't understand my pain. I need to speak out. The pain is so great. You know, he says, if, even though I speak, my pain is not relieved. But at the end of verse six, he said, but if I remain silent, it's miserable too. I, I just can't win. You know, I can't win if I speak and I can't win if I'm, if I'm quiet. And uh, you guys don't understand this. There's no compassion or sympathy. Again, the fruit of the Spirit have so much to say about that. You know, the New, the New Testament tells us that, you know, long-suffering, patient, goodness, gentleness, kindness. I mean, it just goes on and on. And, and, and these guys are, are missing the boat. And Job's saying, it's, you just don't get it. It's hurting me. And you just don't, you're not putting yourself in my place. And, you know, I'm telling you, I would, if it was the other, the shoe was on the other foot and you were here, you know, I would try to comfort you and strengthen you by my words, not put you down and dig the hole deeper. Now he's going to kind of call out to the Lord a little bit as he kind of talks to them about it. He says, but now, verse 7, he has worn me out. You have made desolate my, all my company. You have shriveled me up, and it is a witness against me. My leanness rises up against me and bears witness to my face. He tears me with his wrath and hates me. He gnashes at me with his teeth. My adversary sharpens his gaze on me. They gape with their, with, at me with their mouth. They strike me reproachfully on the cheek. They gather together against me. God has delivered me to the ungodly and turned me over to the hands of the wicked. Now, because of all of Job's pain and the tragedy and the hurt he's enduring, he feels that God is against him, but he's not. And um, I think what, what's happening here with Job, and I think Job's biggest complaint if I could summarize all that we're going through in the book of Job, Job's biggest complaint wasn't the pain and the anguish from his body being covered with that terrible disease or his wife's attitude or the loss of all his businesses and money and everything he had, his house materially and all that stuff, or the death of his children. I think the greatest complaint, reason for Job's complaint is he felt that the Lord wasn't with him. He felt like the Lord wasn't there with him. That was his biggest complaint. You see, we can't forget that Job has probably been through a number of trials and difficulties and heartaches in his life, right? I mean, he's been around, he had 10 children, I don't know how old he is at this point, but to establish, have 10 children and have that amount of wealth, you know, he's probably been around for a while. I don't know how old he is, but 
you know, again, and I imagine during that time, whatever he is in his 30s or 40s or whatever it might be, you know, I imagine, or maybe older, you know, most, I don't know, I think he's about that age, but that's just, you know, me. But, you know, he's been through trials and difficulties, but it was different this time because he had always felt like the Lord was right there, but this time he felt like the Lord wasn't there. And, and because of that, you know, he, he doesn't know the end or the middle of his trials. And it seems like to him right now that it's never going to get better. But don't we all feel that way, right? When we're in the midst of the trial, it seems like it's going to be endless. And it will never end. And it will always keep going on. And sometimes it's hard to see the light at, you know, at the end of the tunnel. But it will be there. And... God is for him, and the Lord is watching all this, and he will step in at the right time. Well, verse 12 says, I was at ease, but he has shattered me. He has also taken me by the neck and shaken me to pieces. He has set me up for his target. His archers surround me. He pierces my heart and does not pity he pours out my gall on the ground. He breaks me with wound upon wound. He runs at me like a warrior. You know, everything was going good, and now all of a sudden I feel like I've been laid siege and lost the battle. You know, that's what he's saying here. Uh, you know, uh, it's just been, been, been horrible. And then he continues in verse 15, I have sewn sackcloth over my skin. I lay my head in the dust. My faith face is flushed from weeping, and on my eyelids is the shadow of death. Although no violence is in my hands, and my prayer is pure, O earth, do not cover my blood, and let me, I'm sorry, and let my cry have no resting place. And so, again, here's Job at, at the end of all this, you know, um, continuing on, excuse me, and just talking about the heartache and feeling the pain and feeling all that's, that's going on. He just, he can't understand it. He can't see it. And it's just so difficult for him. And you just have to feel sorry for Job. He's just, uh, he, he feels like everything is against him. Even though it's not, you know, he, he has that sad feeling here that, you know, the Lord is doing all this. And, and though, you know, you know, in verse 11, he does get a little bit of that, you know, uh, I feel like I've been delivered to the ungodly. And, and there was some truth in that, you know, he allowed Satan, the Lord allowed Satan to, uh, to do some work here that he might accomplish some great things in Job's life and in these guys' lives and in our lives all the way down till today. But for right now, again, all he sees is darkness, and he just can't seem to reach the Lord. He seems like he's just far away, and because of that, he, he pours out this grief like the Lord is just out to get him, which, of course, is not true. Well, verse 19 says, Surely even now my witness is in heaven. And my evidence is on high. My friends scorn me. My eyes pour out tears to God. 
Oh, that one might plead for a man with God, as a man pleads for his neighbor. For when a few years are finished, I shall go the way of no return. Now, I, I like this again, you know, uh, um, there's just cry going out. There seems to be no rest for me. Uh, but I know there's truth in heaven. Notice that in verse 19, my witness is in heaven. My evidence is up on high. He says, I know, Lord, if you are just to search for it and look for it, you'll see that what I'm saying about me not being sinful and that I didn't do anything to deserve this as I'm being accused here, you, you'll see that, Lord. Even though my friends score me uh, and my eyes pour out tears for you, Lord, uh, I, I, I know the truth is there. And then he pleads for a man, you know, um, that there might be that intermediary, that there might be one that could bridge the gap between Job and God so that he could reach out and, and, and pour out his cries and his, uh, have him uh, stand before the Lord uh, for him, for his sake. And he knew that he needed that. And this is, a, you know, he's mentioned that a few times. And every time we, we talk about it, I think it's so important because that's exactly what Jesus does, right? The book of Hebrews tells us that. Well, it's in a, all, all sorts of number of places. But, you know, he's our intermediary. He's the one that bridges the gap between sinful man and a holy God. He stands before the Lord as we're being accused by Satan. You know, Jesus is standing there in our defense, and he is that. And Job just wanted that. And God was going to provide that at the right time. He is going to send Jesus and do that. And Job realized, that's what I really need. You know, I don't need to put sacrifices. I don't need to do this. I don't need to, you know, think this way. I just need one who will bridge that gap. And that's such an important truth for us all to learn, isn't it? that we just need that one. Because some people think, well, it's just my good works. And if I do good things, then good things will come to me. And if I just, you know, plead with the Lord and, and try to do, you know, have a good heart, then, you know, he's going to watch out for me, not let bad things happen to me. Or, you know, uh, I, I need to do these things to earn his grace and his, or, or to earn his favor and to, you know, get in his good, on his good side. You know, a lot of people... Just think that's who God is. But that's what he, he, he's not, right? Grace is undeserved, unmerited favor. And he gives that to us through Jesus. And Job realizes, I need that Savior. And that's why the Old Testament sacrifices or the the sacrifices that predate that way back with Abraham and you go back before that or you go after that when the kings are around and later on, you know, none of those things could, they were all a foreshadow. They all pointed to the need for a savior. David would say that, you know, Lord, if you wanted sacrifices, I would give them all to you. You know, if you wanted these substitutionary animals to, to take away my, I would give that to you, but that's not what you really want. You really want my heart. You really want my life. And, and the very spiritual and godly people of the Old Testament understood that. They understood that's what the Lord really needs. And of course, we looking 
living in faith, looking backwards now, understand uh, exactly what he did. We, we get to look on this with such a wonderful perspective that people and God's people for so many years and decades and millennia didn't get to know, and yet we are so blessed to know the truth there. And uh, poor Job is groping in the dark for that. Well, chapter 17, Job's going to continue here. He says, My spirit is broken. My days are extinguished. The grave is ready for me. Are not mockers with me? And does not my eye dwell on their provocation? Now put down a pledge for me with yourself. Who is he who will shake hands with me? For you have hidden their heart from understanding. Therefore, you will not exalt them. He who speaks flattery to his friends, even the eyes of his children will fail. And again, I think this is another one of those sections that we read it in the New Living Translation. It gives us maybe a little clarity here. And so uh, I'll read it again. Uh, My spirit is crushed and my life is nearly snuffed out. The grave is ready to receive me. I am surrounded by mockers. I watch how bitterly they taunt me. You must defend my innocence, O God, since no one else will stand up for me. You have closed their minds to understanding, but do not let them triumph. Their betrayal, uh, they betray their friends for their own advantage, so let their children faint with hunger. And again, you know, Job just, again, feels crushed. And at the bottom, his life is just about ready to, to be snuffed out. I think of a, you know, the end of a cigarette being snuffed out in an ashtray, if you would. And the grave is ready for me. It's all over. And my friends make fun of me on the way to my death. Doesn't that break your heart, make you sad? That's the way he feels, and that's what these guys are doing to him? And then he cries out, Lord, just let me know what you want. Let, let's make a deal. Uh, let's shake hands on something. Just, just let me know. and we'll, we'll get a deal, and then we'll both agree to it. And I know these guys, as he points to these friends, they don't understand your ways. They just want to grind me to powder, right? Now, I'm not looking for flattery. I'm not looking for somebody to tell me what I want to hear. That's not it at all. These guys are just crushing me. They're adding to the weight that I'm already under, and I couldn't even bear that, and they're making it worse. It's beyond the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. Well, Job continues, verse 6. But he has made me a byword of the people, and I have become one in those whose face men spit. My eye has also grown dim because of sorrow, and all my members are like shadows. Upright men are astonished at this, and the innocent stirs himself up against the hypocrite. Verse 9 says, Yet the righteous will hold to his way, and he who has clean hands will be stronger and stronger. But please come back again, all of you, For I shall not find one wise man among you. And and I like this because, you know, um, 
you know, Job says here, I, I just feel like everybody's against me. They mock me. And I'm just wasting away here. He says, righteous people would be astonished at how you guys are treating me. They would just be astonished. They, they would just be like, what? Just kind of like what we're doing right now, right? Just we're astonished at how these guys are treating Job and what they're saying. But Job knew this, and I like this. He said, you know, if I do rightly, I know the righteousness will prevail in the end. And Job is so right on with that. That is true with us too. He goes, I know, even though I, I want to do this, or I could do this, or I could, you know, give in to what you guys are saying, but I know if I do what's right, it will always prevail in the end. And, and that's so true. And, and, and uh, you know, that's one of the things I always try to pass on to my, you know, children is that, you know, it's always right to do the right thing. And it's never wrong to do the right thing. And, and, you know, the right thing always pays off in the end, even though the short term seems to miss the mark or it'll cost you something, potentially, you think. In the end, doing what's right always wins out, always. And, you know, what, always, what amazes me here is, too, is that Job still stands strong on his position that he hasn't done some great sin that caused all this. I don't know about you, but as much as these guys keep going over and over and hammering that, I don't know if I would have, if I would have lasted this long. I probably would have said, oh, fine, fine, forget it. I'm tired. I can't take it anymore. Okay, yes, I'm a big sinner. Yes, I'm going to repent. Yes, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I, you know, I would have probably given up and thrown in the towel a long time ago and said, okay, you win. You know, I can't take any more of it. You're right, and that's what's going on. But not Job, right? Job is still, no, I, I, that isn't right. What you're saying is not true. And again, because he knew that you know, righteousness would, well, prevail in the end. But in the midst of it, verse 11, he says, My days are past, my purposes are broken off, and even the thoughts of my heart, they change the night into day. The light is near, they say, in the face of darkness. If I wait for the grave at my house, if I make my bed in darkness, if I say to corruption, you are my father, and the worm, you are my mother and sister, where then is my hope? As for my hope, who can see it? Will they go down to the gates of Sheol? Shall we rest together in the dust? And now here again, Job is hitting this terrible low. And again, no thanks to his friends here. You know, he's basically, when it's day, he's waiting for the night. And when it's night, he's waiting for the day. You know, because nothing good is happening. Oh, if it just becomes night, then, you know, something, you know, will be better. But then he's at night and he can't sleep and he's miserable and he's in pain. Oh, just when day comes, maybe I'll you know, feel better, things will be different, but it doesn't happen. It just goes on again. He's like, I'm, I'm a dead man walking. I'm the living dead. You know, that's what's in store for me is death. And, and I'm just going to say, you know, I'm, I'm just going to end up in the grave and, and, and rot away. 
and uh, you know, and, and nobody's going to help me. I'm just going to rot away into dust and dirt, and uh, that'll be the end of it. And so, again, Job ends there with a, a real low, low. I just, I'm going to die. It's just not going to happen. I'm going to shake hands with a worm and, a, and uh, you know, the bugs eating my body and with the dirt. And so, you know, that's how he feels. And chapter 18, we'll, we'll finish up there tonight. But, you know, again, you think after all that and is explaining himself again and pouring out his heart, you think, you know, round two for Bildad, now he's getting his second chance. You think that would have some impact on him, but, well, let's read if it does. Verse one, then Bildad the Shuhite answered and said, how long till you put an end to words? Gain understanding and afterwards we will speak. Why are we counted as beasts and regarded as stupid in your sight? You who tear yourself in anger, Shall the earth be forsaken for you, or shall the rock be removed from its place? Again, these guys double down, dig in farther. They're just stuck on this. You've sinned, you've blown it, and God's punishing you for all this. And he pretty much starts out, when are you going to stop talking? You just need to be quiet and listen and learn from us. We're not just dumb animals. Do you think we know anything? Do you think everything revolves around you, Job? And now notice that Bildad is really going to say some harsh words towards Job, some comforter and friend he is. Verse 5, The light of the wicked indeed goes out, and the flame of his fire does not shine. The light is dark in his tent, and his lamp beside him is put out. So you sin, you do what's wrong, and you enter darkness, and that's because of what you did. For the, ste- uh, the steps of his strength are shortened, and his own counsel cast down. For he is cast into a net by his own feet, and he walks into a snare, and he takes him by the heel, and the snare lays hold of him. A noose is hidden for him on the ground, and a trap for him on the road. Terrors frighten him on every side, and drive him to his feet. His strength is starved, and destruction is ready at his side. It devours patches of his skin. The firstborn of death devours his limb. He is uprooted from the shelter of his tent, and they parade him before the king of terrors. Verse 15, they dwell in his tent and are among his. Brimstone is scattered on his dwelling, and his roots are dried out below, and his branch withers above. The memory of him perishes from the earth, and he has no name among the renowned. He is driven from light into darkness and chased out of the world. He has neither son nor posterity among his people nor any remaining in his dwellings. Those in the west are astonished at his day, and those in the east are frightened. Surely such are the dwelling of the wicked, and this is the place of him who does not know God. Wow. I mean, he is going on and on. You're getting this punishment, 
and you're getting tripped up and being caught in these traps is because that's what you do. You lay traps for people, you've sinned, you've taken advantage of people, and the reason you're frightened and everything is miserable day and night is because you've done that. And the reason you're so weak, right? Verse 12, your strength is starved. Because of that, because of your sin and your deception and your evil and your sinful practices in life, you know, of course you feel like you have no strength. And then he talks about the patches of his skin, uh, you know, and, and death is coming to get you because of that. And, you know, the, his tent is uprooted in verse 14. You know, his house was lost. He lost, you know, his children. He, he lost everything. And that's why you're saying, you know, it's, everything is brimstone. Remember, you know, one of the judgments from, or one of the attacks, I should say, from the enemy was brimstone coming down and devouring some of the things he had. And, and he's just saying that. He knows that. He's that's judgment coming. And notice this is branch will wither above. In other words, you're, you're going to die. You're withering. You're dying. And, and nobody's going to remember you because you don't, you're not going to have any children to live. And, you know, he's mocking his, really his children. Look, you're dying up above and there's nobody to follow. You're not going to have any children because they're all dead because of your judge, because of your sin, you're being judged. And nobody's going to remember you and those that do are just going to look at you with contempt. And this is what's really going to happen. And he's really accusing Job of being wicked. And that's why all this is happening. Because surely God would not let this happen to someone righteous. They couldn't understand it. And they couldn't explain it. So they believed what made sense to them. And what makes sense to to them or to us might just be the opposite of the will and purposes of God. And we need to be careful that we don't rush into judgment, that we don't rush into thinking we have it figured out. You know, Jesus told us, judge not lest you be judged. For what judgment you meet, it shall be met to you again. He's always telling us to be slow to judge a situation and come up with a I got it all figured out and I know what's happening here and I know the answer to your questions. I know how to fix your problems and all these kind of things. Whether we say it to a person or whether we think it in our mind about a person, you know, he's saying being slow to do that because if you set that standard, that's a standard that I'm going to set for you. And, and what I've really called you to do, why do you think Jesus says over and over again, love one another? Love your brethren, love each other, you know, serve one another, love each other. Because, you see, and, and even Jesus said, I have not come to judge, you know, I have not come uh, to do that. I, 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 have, I have come to save, you know, I have come to set free. And, and the good thing to always remember for us is, you know what, we're not called to judge or come up with these conclusions or make these things. We're just called to love and let God sort them out. And that's, you know, the direction the Lord, I think, always has for us. You know, He just wants us to love people and love certainly His people and not be so quick to figure it all out and judge it. And, okay, I already got it figured out by looking at them and seeing this and hearing this. That's enough. I got it all figured out. 
you know, and we can come to such snap judgments that can be so wrong, just like these three guys here, and certainly Bildad, which is a huge slap, to say the least, to Job and to our Heavenly Father, and God's going to address that with these guys as we get to the end of the book. But for, day, let, for today, let's just call it a, a day here, and we'll pick it up in chapter 19 next week. Father, we do thank you for these lessons, and may we learn them. Lord, it seems like it goes on and on and on, this book, and it seems to repeat itself uh, quite often. And, and Lord, um, that's because you want us to learn. And you repeat it over and over again that we might have it squared away in our heart and in our mind that we you know, can stand very clearly and know your heart and your mind on such things. And so because we do forget and we can do, tend to fall back into the old ways of doing things or our natural way of doing things, you repeat it over and over again so that we might learn and again it might be very solid in our mind and in our hearts. So help us to do that, help us to be that, help us to show love, set judgment aside, and set love front and center, Lord. And we need your spirit and we need your help to do that. So we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, may the Lord bless you guys.